I guess really we have a twofold purpose. On one hand, it's supporting the artisans and you know preserving their traditions. But on the other hand, we're also trying to inspire a more intentional lifestyle for our consumers. So with every product, you know, when you buy it, we want our customers to feel not only good about where it comes from, how it was made, how the people who made it were treated, but also that when they purchase it and they bring it into their lives, it becomes a way for them to create a life for themselves that is more fulfilling and authentic. Welcome to Rise Leaders Radio. I'm your host, Leanne Mallory. As a leadership coach, I work inside organizations and I focus on helping leaders achieve their whole person potential and meaningfully contribute to their organization's mission. With this podcast, I share leadership best practices, developmental approaches, and stories of exemplary leaders. Hello, today I'm speaking with Sophia Deva. She had the guts to launch a new company during the pandemic. And not only did she launch this same sky, but I think Jim Collins would give Sophia an A plus for creating and embodying a powerful core ideology. What this means is that she's operating her company with purpose, mission, and values. We talk about her first product launch and how I see the company living the good, the true, and the beautiful. Enjoy. Good morning, Sophia. Thank you for being here. Hi, Leanne. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. (laughs) I know. I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, This year, in the middle of a pandemic, You launched This Same Sky, which is a company that sells artisan-centered, rotating collections of personal and home accessories. It's a beautiful line with a compelling purpose, and we are going to spend most of our time talking about that. But I do want to introduce you first. We're all multidimensional, and your many dimensions have come together really splendidly for this business. Um, If we could all integrate our loves, our strengths, our sense of purpose in the way that you have, I feel that we'd all be uh, healthier and live a life of well-being. So I really just want to congratulate you for bringing all of this together in in such a beautiful way. Yeah, I'm blessing. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's it's really a privilege when you're able to bring so much of yourself to your work. And so I feel really privileged to be at a point in my life where I do have that opportunity and I am, you know, ready on so many different levels and and able to do that. Yeah. So I wanted to give a little bit of your background. You have been a yoga teacher. You're a lover and writer of poetry. You have a wicked smart sense of strategy and marketing, and you have guts I had described you to you earlier as having a very nice combination of beauty and badassery. (laughs) Uh, You were also born in India and came to the U.S. when you were 
about five, and -hmm. you didn't let any of this go to waste. So while some of us have all of these disparate parts, or actually all of us have all all of these disparate parts, you seem to be pulling more and more of yourself and your loves in. How has this happened so early in your life? How have you accomplished this? You're too kind. It's funny when you say uh, early in your life, because internally, I often feel like I'm behind. (laughs) But but I think the truth is that finding that integration, you know, creating a home for the different parts of yourself and living a life where your multitudes are kind of uh, invited and, uh, and able to kind of coexist. I think that's a lifetime of work. Right. Yeah. But I just, I think I have so many loves and um, I couldn't turn away from any of them. And um, I think I've just worked to find areas of complementarity and it, it hasn't always been that way. Um, there are different seasons where you have different areas of focus and, you know, you do have to put certain things you cherish on the back burner or maybe it's dormant for a while. Um, but then there are other seasons where you get to draw from so many different aspects of your history and who you are and really bring them together. And and that's a beautiful flowering. Yeah, I I did a podcast uh, probably a month or so ago with a woman, Trudy Bourgeois, and we were talking about how to own your value. Like, how do you get to a place where you can take a stand and own your own value at work? And that really got me thinking about how is it that we come to know what our value is so that we can bring that forward. And, you know, there are things that you can do, like um, assessments you can take, like strengths finders or tilt, things like that to find your, your strengths. Uh, But then there's the internal work that you have to do around knowing what you love, what you value, what you stand for, and then bringing all of those together. When those are truly integrated, it feels like that we have more courage and more guts because we're standing on really solid ground. And that's the feeling that I get from you. And when I look at your website, the whole business, it just feels so purposeful and intentional and it feels like it really has a lot to stand on. Um, it's such a beautiful reflection. Thank you. Um, you know, it's funny because I do think and I think as Americans this is like particularly poignant and we really struggle with this. I do think at least for me, I had to find my sense of self-worth outside of work before I could bring it into my work because it's so easy to let your work define you. And the truth is, you know, our work doesn't define us. And when you travel in other parts of the world, it's that that's clearer, you know, whether you're in you're in Paris and you look around and people are having two or three hour lunches and, and really enjoying their conversation and their time with one another. And there's this juiciness to their lives that you're like, oh, wow, we don't realize how much we as Americans define ourselves by our productivity and our job title and our what we're able to contribute. And all of that is, of course, very meaningful. But I think if you let it overly define you or you don't know who you are outside of that, you know, it can be really constricting. Yeah. So I'll say that first. But I, I think, too, when you 
it takes courage to forge your own path, to blaze your own trails, because there isn't a clear template. You know, at that point, you're really, um, you're really believing in yourself and you're kind of betting on yourself and your potential and letting that unfold in its own unique way. The fun thing is when you do, when you do do that, people respond to you so differently because you're bringing so much of your own energy to what you're doing that that excites people around you and they're more keen to work with you and invest in you. (laughs) Yeah, I love the word delight. And when I'm with someone that has fully owned the gifts that they bring. And I thought this was, and it may be more of a, of a phenomenon with women. I, I don't know that it is mm-hmm. because just last week I was on a call facilitating a workshop with a group of people and a gentleman on the phone confessed to not knowing what value he brought to the company because he didn't have the degree of expertise that other people had. And yet he was a she's a beautiful human being. And so, like you said, we get trapped, I think, by um, this external definition Mm -hmm. of what our value is. And sometimes we make up what that external definition is. And so we don't recognize our own (laughs) value. So I just a huge congratulations to you for um, being on that path. And just it, it, it comes through so solidly. And I think, you know, this is a podcast that I hope a lot of people who are in leadership positions are listening to, and really bringing the full flavor of who we are, and allowing those people that work in our organizations to bring that to really is it's it's compelling, it's life giving, it's delightful. It really just, um, I don't know, just it makes our workplaces and our lives much more civilized when we're (laughs) when we're thinking of things that way. So the other thing, as I, again, look at your website, I was reminded of this, I'm sure it was the Greek philosophers that began thinking about this notion of the good, the true and the beautiful. And these are ways that, you know, humans tend to will will focus our attention. And when I look at your website and think about your business, you're one of the few businesses I think that's really done a great job at fully building out all three of those pillars, the Mm. good, the true, and the beautiful. And so I'd like to use this actually to talk about the business, this same sky. So first of all, just tell us what it is. What, what is the business? So the same sky is first and foremost a social enterprise, right? So um, as invested as we are in being a financially successful and profitable business, we're also ultimately very purpose-driven. And our purpose is to preserve traditional arts and crafts and to provide artisans with an exceptional livelihood. And how we do that is through creating, um, we call them intention-setting accessories, So all of our products are handmade by different kind of clusters of um, artisans around the world. And I guess really we have a twofold purpose. On one hand, it's supporting the artisans and, you know, preserving their traditions. But on the other hand, we're also trying to inspire a more intentional lifestyle for our consumers. Um, So with every product, you know, when you buy it, we want 
our customers to feel not only good about where it comes from, how it was made, how the people who made it were treated, but also that, you know, when they purchase it and they, um, they bring it into their lives, it becomes a way for them to create a life for themselves that is more fulfilling and authentic. Nice. And I would put that under the column of the good. Mm -hmm. So if we were categorizing, you know, like the Greeks would, this would be in the category of good. Um, I want to jump to the beautiful now because uh, it's, it's the essence of what you're doing, bringing a lot of beauty in, and not just physical beauty, but your, um, you have a poem, actually, <laughs> that, that you wrote yourself that embodies the spirit of this same sky. And even the name of the company, This Same Sky, has its roots in poetry. So can you talk about where you got the name and ultimately, I want you to read the poem that you have created. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, we have a brand poem, Poetry, is, <laughs> <laughs> which I love. I think all brands should have brand poems, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> poetry is my first love. And uh, the funny thing is I was in marketing for so long and I found my study of poetry and my training as a poet was so useful as a marketer <laughs> because it's all about, you know, uh, everything from creating copy to how you position an idea. I just think poetry is so often kind of dismissed as being impractical, but I think there's such a deep well of wisdom in, in poetry and we learn so much and we're able to take so much from it and plant it in kind of different aspects of our lives. So I think poetry is really powerful. Um, the name of the company came from uh, a global anthology of poems curated by Naomi Shahab Nye, um, who's one of my favorite poets. She's a Palestinian-American poet. And she had this book called This Same Sky, and it was poems from all around the world. And to me, that felt very symbolic of our project at the same sky is this idea of, you know, how can we curate these really one of a kind pieces from around the world? And I think of each of our products as a poem and, and this kind of dual goal of creating a sense of solidarity, the same sky, or we're all in it together while at the same time celebrating the distinctness of the differences and the idiosyncrasies and the, the cultural differences, not reducing all of that as we're, we're affirming the sense of, of unity and um, being in it togetherness. So that was kind of the, the big inspiration for the company. And I'll be happy to, happy to read the poem to you. Make an offering of your longing. Wherever you go, there you are. Retrace your origins again and again until you uncover the geometry of the heart. What secrets do you hold? What treasures have you inherited? What myths like exotic birds follow you with their familiar cry? Stay until you know their names, until you and I are part of this same sky. 
<laughs> oh, that is um, so beautiful, Sophia. And I don't know that if you know that I interviewed our friend Rick Boren a, mm-hmm. a while back on how to read poetry mm-hmm. and created a guide, a guide for reading poetry. And I'm thinking, oh, I think I'm going to get my guide for reading poetry and reflect on this. And I'll say right now that I'll include this poem in the show notes uh, of our episode today, along with a lot, you know, any other links. But I think that being able to, you know, read through the poem a few times will be helpful for people. And as you were writing the poem, and when you determined, okay, that's it, you know, I got the spirit and the essence what were you left with? Did, do you feel like you got it? <laughs> the wonderful thing about poetry is that it's so layered, right? Which is really satisfying for somebody like me who wants to say everything at once and is never able to like say everything. Because uh-huh. there's always so much complexity and you can't, you know, you can't uh, capture all of it in any given uh, expression or moment. The poetry is very satisfying because you can layer all of these different meanings in. Um, But I think for me, if I'm distilling it down, it was really an invitation, right? It was an invitation to our customers, to our community, to to locate themselves Mm. in kind of this um, greater global heritage, if you will. You know, to really say, where do you come from? Who are you? Uh, what stories belong to you? Where are you headed? And this is my very kind of subtle critique to sustainability in the present moment is we have a lot of emphasis on minimalism and less stuff and less clutter, which is great. But I think the other side of that less stuff and less clutter is more meaning and more purpose. And I think if we just negate and eliminate without tapping into um, a greater sense of who we are, Hmm. a greater sense of where we come from, it's incomplete for me. (laughs) Yeah, I had not considered that before. And as I look at you here with that brightly colored uh, wall hanging behind you, and your scarves are beautiful. They're very colorful. And I can yeah. imagine that as you bring goods in from uh, across the world, that we'll be seeing, you know, colors that are indicative of the different communities that they that they come from. Mm-hmm. And most artisans do use a lot of color, you know, there's a good yeah. amount of that. But I hadn't considered Sophia, how this minimalism and getting things, you know, to the bare essentials, can feel um, dry. Yeah. It, it, you know, if, if we let it go too far, it can it can feel dry. And so you're inviting us to um, be to hold both. Yeah. You know, not <laughs> to have the clutter and not to like forget because we have so much around us, but to choose wisely and choose those things that are that bring beauty and in life into our life. Absolutely. And they go hand in hand when you create space you're able to present something, you Mm -hmm. know? But if you're just creating space and there's no presence, (laughs) uh, to me, that's not fulfilling. But also it's not inclusive of 
so many different world traditions that, uh, you know, are really rich and intricate and colorful. Um, and that's an important part of sustainability because even though sustainability is kind of infant in its renaissance, it's ancient in its roots. You, see, you know, so we hmm. think of it as like kind of this new thing that we're going to innovate and it's like, okay, great. But a lot of the solutions actually lie in our past as well. I'm finding that a lot in what I'm seeing that's new. It has really circled back and we've come full circle on many things, even in our appreciation of, as I watch the videos of the the artisans in, in Jaipur using the block printing to make the scarves in material that's also hand-woven. And so we're coming back, I think, to really appreciate handiwork and the imperfections. So I purchased a scarf from you yesterday, and I love looking, and you can see where, you know, some of the colors uh, started, they didn't, I don't know how to say if they separated, but you could see in the purple, you can see the blue and the red and the purple. And mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. And so we talked a little bit about, you know, if you're wanting perfect things right. that are perfectly square and perfectly made, then handmade items may not be the thing for you. Mm -hmm. because yeah. these are going to have a lot of character to them. So yeah. so I want to I feel like we're going to make a hard right turn here because we just talked about the good and the beautiful. And what I think that you're doing that's also just smart and it really brings in your strengths is also the true. And when we look at the, you know, that element of the Greek philosophy, it's data, it's fact, it's science and it's profit. You know, it's what many of our, you know, the capitalism has built on is like, is it profitable? And while that's not your focus, if you don't have profit, you can't stay in business. And you've done a ton of research, you know, where are the places where they're really known for this beautiful artistry? And then how can I go in and work with these folks? And now you're doing it remotely, which was not your original plan, but in such a way that we all win and we're all making a fair living and all of that. And th this was also part of the you that I called the badassery. You know, you're <laughs> a great strategist. You're a crack marketer. So you're very well known in the, those very traditional business worlds as mm -hmm. being um very successful in that area. And I think that there's a tendency that will lean on one of those three pillars and just leave another one out. I, I'm just so impressed with how you've been able to bring all of that together. And I'm just curious how much of a focus that was as well, the, the true nature, the, um, you know, the capitalism, the profit, how did you go in eyes wide open and really smart in, in building the company that would have all of these elements. Yeah, there's so much to the kind of business strategy around the same sky. And because, you know, ultimately we were so motivated by wanting to create wealth and abundance for our communities of artisans, for our internal team. Um, we want this to be a success. So, uh, there's definitely been a lot of research that's gone into it, both in terms of, you know, understanding. I really felt like the market was very ripe for this idea um, because more and more of us as 
consumers and shoppers are wanting to shop our values, are wanting more transparency from the brands they engage with, um, are wanting brands to not just produce kind of high quality products, but also stand for something in the world. Um, and I've been, I've been a big fan of other brands kind of pioneering this model. Um, Sudara is one that I always like to brag on and always comes to mind. Um, they create loungewear and a big part of their business model is, is hiring and training and providing all kinds of life skills for women who have either been at risk for or rescued from sex trafficking in India. So I feel you know, lucky and very much like I'm standing on the shoulders of giants because there have been really wonderful brands that have been kind of pioneering this model of purpose and profit, social enterprise, and kind of showing that it can be done. Um, but we're still we're still ways from really having an established playbook for this kind of business model. Mm-hmm. So that's where I hope that I can contribute, and that's where I'm kind of very actively creating what that looks like because the economics do have to work. Um, and there's all kinds of challenges you face with artisan production. Everything takes so much longer. Efficiency is not the name of the game. You know, everything from the monsoon to someone's getting married, all of this creates disruption. When you're paying people three times the standard rate and really trying to maintain good working conditions, that eats into your margins. The fashion industry is not really built, its economics are not built around these values. And so, you know, if you're, if you're kind of thinning your margins by really maintaining your convictions to pay your artisans well, then it's very hard to sell your products at a wholesale rate to distributors because then you don't have anything left. So the whole industry is really in need of reform. But the great thing is that consumers are demanding that reform. You know, and so I think the brands that are going to deliver that reform have a competitive advantage in terms of being uh, more desirable by consumers. But then we also have to get the industry <laughs> caught up, so we're not uh, we're not having to kind of try to function in a dysfunctional system. I know that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is, um, and it was one of the things again. So. I, I picked up a scarf yesterday that I'm delivering to um, a good friend of mine in a couple of days. Uh, but then I got online and I purchased a, a few other scarves and it wasn't inexpensive. But I just had to remind myself that I'm actually like buying a piece of art. It really is a, a piece of art. There's not another one like it out there because they are all handmade. And I'll have it forever. It, it's not trendy. It's not going to go out of style. And so I'm, I will have so much pride. I mean, I can't wait to receive them and, to, and talk about a fantastic gift, you know, to give someone that's so special. So I think as consumers, you know, we're always voting with our dollars mm-hmm. one way or the other. And so from my perspective, here's what I can do. I can vote with my dollars by fewer, more meaningful things. So that's a reminder on this end 
The other thing that I was really struck by, Sophia, is in talking to you and all of the different channels that you're pursuing. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a retail store. I think you're primarily online right now, Mm -hmm. but you also have partnerships and pop-ups and all of that. Mm -hmm. So you're being really creative with, like you said, your distribution channel. So um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, for us, especially being kind of born in the middle of a pandemic, it's good because I think forced us to be even scrappier than we would have ordinarily been and very adaptable and very agile and to really think through how can we create a diverse and flexible enough business model that we have some protection from, you know, the, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune and um, all the ups and downs of the market. So the way I'm envisioning it, and for us, we really leaned into our value of collaboration and tried to think, okay, how can we create win-win scenarios and really uh, partnerships where we can cross-promote? So our primary channel, of course, is our e-commerce, where we're building relationships directly with consumers through email and Instagram and Facebook and social media. Um, But then we're also partnering with um, kind of ethical luxury marketplaces like Olivella, Wolf and Badger, um, marketplaces where we feel like are really aligned and valued that are attracting that more mindful, conscious shopper. And, you know, getting kind of the benefit of their pre-existing audiences and their huge marketing budgets to promote those uh, those marketplaces. Um, and then finally, we just in the last month or so started a, a B2B gifting and uh, like corporate gifting channel um, because we realized that so often brands and businesses want to give really meaningful items to their partners or their employees or their clients. And there aren't always a ton of options for that. You know, you can always, of course, send a gift basket or this or that. But what if you wanted to really take advantage of that gifting moment to enact your values, to tell a bigger story, and to kind of forge that emotional connection that our products are so good for? So we're very excited right now about a project we're doing with Adobe um, where we're creating a zero-waste customized gift for all of their kind of catter of, of internal influencers. Oh, fantastic. And I think this is the one where you're also using some Dallas local artisans in the making of that, which is another passion of mine. It's... um. It seems to be more difficult to do the same thing that you're doing with providing a living wage for uh, artisans that work in the U.S. because the cost of living is higher. But you're doing that with this particular corporate gift. So can you talk a little bit about that as well? Because I love that idea. Yeah, absolutely. So the materials for the gift are coming from Uganda, uh, ninth generation artisans who Um, harvest bark cloth, which is literally what it sounds like, bark from the Matuba tree. And they process it and they send it over here. But the actual assembly of the product is taking place at a wonderful local Dallas nonprofit called Vickery Trading. Um, Vickery Trading, their mission is to 
train and hire, but similar to Sudara, they also provide all kinds of um, life skills and training to refugee women in Dallas. So women that have fled, you know, war and persecution in places like Iran and Afghanistan and are now resettling in Dallas. So victory trading gives them a community, gives them um, a sense of purpose, a sense of being able to contribute. And these wonderful women are, are creating our products for us. And we're so grateful for, you know, to be able to include them in the story of this gift, which of course then will be shared by, um, by the team at Adobe. And they also get to feel like, oh, wow, we're getting to make an impact in this way. Again, a huge win across the board. And it's, it's also striking me, Sophia, that as you're diversifying your product. So it's not all reliant on uh, what's going on in Jaipur, India right now. So you've diversified that. But you're also not building, uh, having to build like manufacturing facilities and making that kind of um, capital investment in, in, in that. So it just feels it's so innovative. And it's such a new way of doing work, where you're really taking advantage or leveraging other uh, ways of manufacturing Mm -hmm. or producing that are already there, as well as partnering with other companies. So it's so collaborative Mm -hmm. and it feels uh, it's very organic and it feels very interesting. Like it's never going to get dull because (laughs) you're, you're working with all of these different organizations, which can also be tiring. I mean, that's a lot of different things to keep up with. And I wonder even how you're managing that. It's still early, but I can Mm -hmm. imagine uh, that's a lot of relationships to manage. Yeah. It's a lot of relationships to manage. The exciting thing is there's always something new to discover. And that's the part of it that like, it's like really feeds the little kid in me that's like, Whoa. Um, yeah. you know, it makes my work really fun and, and interesting. But I also, I think of us as like being very decentralized in a way, but also very connected. I do, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur, you have to take burnout very seriously. And you have to recognize that you're not immune to burnout. You don't have infinite energy and resources. And I've had some really good coaches who have helped me uh, recognize that, like, actually, my energy is a really valuable resource in this project. And I need to kind of guard and replenish it just like I would any other resource in my company. Um, so I'm very militant about self-care. Um, and then, you know, I'm, it's, there's an interesting kind of tension because on one hand, we do try to have multiple kind of products and uh, projects underway at any given time, um, partly because the timelines are less predictable with artisan production. Right. So if you have kind of multiple projects and multiple product lines, it helps you balance out if there are delays on one end. Uh, But it's also really important that whatever we engage, we do intentionally and we're able to have good follow through on. So if ever I feel like we're getting spread too thin, you know, I I use that as kind of a signal to to pull back and really reassess what's priority. And you're able to do that 
because of the way that you've built the company. And I think that I understand, Sophia, that you you planned this launch. You, you didn't plan to launch during a pandemic, no. but you planned it for a while. And so you had your own reserves for investing. And I, and I believe that you decided to fully fund this yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, which also gives you that ability to pull back when you want to, you don't have investors breathing down your neck. Right, um, right now, you, you might later, uh, you mm-hmm. might find friendly investors, people that you want to partner with. But as of right now, you're able to calibrate your energy expenditure as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's definitely one of the advantages of being self-funded is that you do really get to set the direction of the company. You get to set the pace of your growth, which is huge because I think for a company that's as purpose-driven as we are, it can't be growth for growth's sake, right? And so if and it's, this is kind of a delicate early stage where I really want to hold on to that control. Um, down the line, I, I do want to attract investors and I do have ideas on how I'd like to scale the company up and take it to that next level. But I think at that point, the foundation and the identity will really be part of the value and will be kind of in place so we can do that. Yeah, I'm grinning over here because then we'll be, you know, however many years down the line, you'll be working with a consultant or a coach somewhere on um, how to get out of the founder's trap. <laughs> because <laughs> right. it's a, yeah, it's a really predictable um, thing that happens. Yeah. You know, you spend all of this time creating your company. And as you bring on investors, there can also be this uh, resistance to changing things. So that's something down the line, but it's it's fairly predictable. And I'm like, okay, I wonder how I wonder how those conversations will go. Uh, because you will be having them in one way or the other. Okay. Um, yeah. At least I'm <laughs> at least I uh, I hope I'll be able to get out of my own way uh, down the line. Um, you know, I like the distinction a lot between crafting and scaling. We talk a lot about scaling, but we don't often talk about like crafting something that's worth scaling. And right now Mm. I feel like we're in that crafting phase where I just want to create something like you said, that's true and good and beautiful and irresistible. (laughs) And then once that's in place, let's scale. And that's a different toolkit. Right. Yeah. And, and you'll know when the time is right. I I feel like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I want to make sure that that before we end the call today, that you are able to make any invitations that you want to make to people um, out in the world. And so, what's uh, what do you what do you want to say to folks? Where do you want to direct our attention as we start bringing the call to a close? Mm, thank you, Leanne, for that. So, I think first I would just say, just like you said about like you know, voting with your wallet. Um, Really, we can't exist without the support of uh, an engaged community. And so, and that requires purchases, that requires feedback, honest feedback, that requires sharing our content. You know, we really, we can't exist without that community that also shares our values. 
So I would just say to folks who share those values, act on it, engage with us, uh, invest in us, show, you know, demonstrate that you share those values. Um, right now, we have our launch line out, which is a collection of exquisite hand-printed scarves from JPOR. And they're really at every price point. So we have them uh, ranging all the way from 45 to $225. And so I would just ask that, you know, if you're doing personal holiday gift shopping, if you're looking for a really one-of-a-kind statement piece, check us out. Check out our site. Check out our Instagram. I think you'll really like what you see. Um, but I'll also say that for the business leaders who are listening, who are wanting to create a really meaningful gifting experience for their network, for their employees, for their business partners, um, reach out to me on LinkedIn because I would love to have a fuller conversation about what that looks like and how we can make that happen. That's a little more time sensitive because we're approaching the end of October, but really would love to have those conversations. We also have a great article in Forbes about um, ethical corporate holiday gifting that you can check out. And then uh, the final, I think, call to action would just be talk to us on social media. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Um, that feedback is really one of the most valuable things for us at this stage, and we're actively seeking it out. That's fantastic. And all of these um, things that you've just uh, mentioned, I will be sure to include in the show notes. Sophia, you're very active. I think where I see you the most are LinkedIn and Instagram. That's mm-hmm. where I would that's where I would recommend people connect with you. Mm-hmm. And if you are on Instagram, I'm I'm going to invite you all to look at Sophia's the homepage uh, where all the tiles are there, where you mm-hmm. have created these uh, beautiful kind of uh, murals. I don't know what the marketing term for what you've done with Our that grid. page is, but it's <laughs> your grid. Yeah, the grid is beautiful. And I I just l- have to look at it and go, okay, I'm not going to be able to do that, but I can really appreciate the beauty of it. So the beauty is just woven throughout and and the the good is woven throughout your company as well. It's just very very attractive. So thank you for spending time with me this morning. And I, again, for your guts and courage. Um, I have two daughters, and I just you know I point them in your direction. And people can build a different kind of life now. We don't all yeah. have to be working in the big corporate. It's fine if that's what you want mm-hmm. to do. But there's, there are other options, and the world is really big and organic. And I say get out there and uh, try things out. Yeah, thank you, Leanne. Yeah, I really believe you can make a difference anywhere. But um, I did take a big big leap of faith with this business idea. That's a, a very, very comfortable path in marketing. And, you know, it brings me a lot of joy to do it. And it's really nice to have the encouragement and the positive feedback from folks like yourself because it keeps me going um, on the hard days. That's fantastic. All right. I'll see you online then and we'll uh, get this out to everybody soon. Thanks so much, Leanne. What a lovely conversation. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Rise Leaders Radio on your preferred podcast platform. Your ratings, reviews, and shares are also really appreciated. 
You can also visit rise-leaders.com for all the resources we talked about today and to work with me if you're committed to making your unique and positive impact. Thank you for listening and remember, elevate your part of the world. Mm -hmm.